This is Finding Sparkle, Chasing Light, and I'm your host, Nicole Brienne. to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for coming back. I feel like getting people to listen to the first episode of a podcast is generally not that hard because people love to support you and people love to like friends and family. Everyone wants to listen and tell you great job. But then like getting people to come back again and again and again is harder. And I also don't want to like force anyone So if you're here again, thank you. I truly feel so grateful. And I'm doing this alone this week. We're going to see how this goes. Initially, this was meant to be a podcast done by me, but then I feel like everyone loved the banter with Lucas so much. We're going to have to have him back. Um, And of course, I hope to have people interviewed sprinkled in now and then. But the bread and butter of this podcast is going to be me. So I know I left you on a cliffhanger last week wondering (laughs) where that song was from. Dig a little deep, but I was right. It's a Mary-Kate Nashley song. It's called Butterflies in Your Stomach from Mary-Kate Nashley's Ballet Party. I'm pretty sure every movie with the Olsen twins, whether it was one of their parties or one of their feature films, I saw it over and over and over so much so that apparently the songs are stored deep in my brain to the point that I will just start singing them and not even know consciously that it is Mary-Kate and Ashley. So that brought me joy and also made me feel old, but you know, whatever. Um, so what's funny is my first podcast episode was supposed to be sort of an introduction. And one of my best friends, Alana was like, she gave me like 2 million compliments because she's incredible. Um, but she was like, I wonder if maybe you need to like introduce yourself a little more. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I figured that the only people that would listen to my podcast would be people who already know everything about me. Um, And so I focused mostly on introducing the podcast and the name and that sort of thing. So I'm going to give a little bit of a backstory about myself, which also just makes sense because different people find you at different parts of your life and they may not know things. So if you're going to listen to a podcast, that's essentially the musings of my brain. I guess you should know a little bit about me. It always just feels like narcissistic to talk about yourself. But then again, I have a podcast about myself, so I've already jumped into that one. Um, So my name is Nicole, specifically Nicole Brienne Shibata. Um, I was born in Calgary, which is Western Canada, near the beautiful mountains of Banff. Um, I have two amazing younger sisters and honestly, the best parents ever. I'm sure they'll continue to pop up in stories because they are just amazing. Um, I grew up doing a number of things, but a lot of musical theater, which will not surprise you. But what might surprise you is I actually did a lot of martial arts. So martial arts is big in my family. My mom did kickboxing for many years. My cousins got us into Habkido, which is a Korean martial arts. And my aunt 
and uncle and cousins literally had like a karate mat in their basement. Like they didn't have carpet. They had a mat. So, and my aunt used to do shin to shins with us until someone's shin got bruised enough that we'd stop. Like this was a fun thing we used to do as kids. Um, and then I was also a dancer, which got quite competitive as I went through high school. I did all of the things, contemporary ballet, modern tap, jazz, hip hop light, I'll call it. Cause it was very much just like white girl hip hop. Um, and you know, I was pretty good. I will say I was born with a lot of natural talent, which helped me a lot and a lot of flexibility. But I will say that like, I really strived in the social aspect. So I'd go to competition. I'd do well. I was good. I I was tall. So I kind of figured I wasn't going to be a professional dancer, but you know, I won some awards and I made a lot of friends and I was really good at cheering people up, cheering people on. So it was all in all an amazing experience to have. Um, and also probably taught me a lot about opening up and putting myself out there. So it's a beautiful gift that I had as well to be given to me was the gift of like learning who I am and learning to share myself and tell stories. And those stories were told through movement and maybe that's shifted now, but nonetheless, it was a big part of what shaped me. Um, incidentally, you may know of the, one of the most famous pop stars right now, Tate McRae, her mom was actually my dance teacher, um, growing up. So that's pretty cool. And I know their family. Well, I know Tate. Well, I used to babysit her. One of the most lovely humans ever humble, kind, generous. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And then I graduated high school. I moved to the big city of Los Angeles. That's funny because it sounded like I was going to say a small city, but no, I moved to the big city of Los Angeles when I was 18 years old. Um, my parents are very trusting. I also am very trustworthy because I'm not the most risky gal. And in LA, I took some film programs. I decided kind of like last minute that I wanted to go into film sort of out of nowhere in a province like Alberta that, I mean, it actually does have a pretty booming film industry, but generally no one I knew worked in film. So it kind of just came out of nowhere. So my mom was like, well, maybe before you do an entire degree in it, why don't you try some of these like smaller programs? So I, it's actually called the New York Film Academy, but they have a campus in Los Angeles. And something that was really cool was that I actually got to make my films on the back lots of Universal Studios. Like, I don't even think I understood how cool that was at 18. Like, I thought it was cool that the back lot tour groups would like wave to us as they went by thinking we were, you know, like a famous movie set. Um, but I don't think I understood like or appreciated fully just what an incredible experience that is for an, anyone, let alone an 18-year-old. And I also met some really incre incredible people from around the world. My teachers were people who worked in the industry, which is really cool, like actively wrote like Bruce Almighty and just lots of Hollywood films that you know. 
So after I was done that, I begrudgingly moved back to Calgary. I say begrudgingly because I really wanted to stay in LA at the time. I was like, could I marry someone? Could I like, what can I do here? How can I get a work visa? Basically like the whole rest of LA. And so I moved back to Calgary, ended up working for a production company, um, which was really cool because I made a couple of friends that I'm still friends with today, which is really special. And they kind of took me under their wing and I had some really amazing opportunities there in the time that I worked there. And eventually I was like, okay, you know, I should probably figure out some sort of education because that was important to me. Not saying that it's important to everyone or necessary at all, but I knew I wanted to do that. So I applied for Ryerson and moved to Toronto to go to school in film. And a film degree at Ryerson is interesting because... I feel like I learned a lot about the art of film, but not so much about the business of it. I met some really incredible people, but also I felt like I didn't always fit in. I really wanted to work in cinematography, but I was the only woman, I think, unless my memory is, you know, serving me not correctly. Um, but I'm pretty sure I was like the only one of the only women in my year who wanted to work in cinematography. And there were a couple men in my program whose dads were working cinematographers in the industry. And so they already had like a leg up in, in the sense of like they grew up on film sets with their dads and their dads had all this fancy gear. And, you know, I had never other than being in L.A., I had never really been on a film set and. I, I felt like in film school, I was already having to prove myself um, as a woman. And that gets tiring, you know? It's like you, you think you're going to wake up every morning and be like, stick it to the man. But honestly, there, come, there reaches a point where you're just like, do I want to spend the rest of my life proving myself? Like working twice as hard and also on film sets, which like now I take as a compliment because I've got a winning personality. But back then, oftentimes people would assume I was the talent. They're like, oh, are you one of the actors? And I'm like, no, dang it. I am working on this film set. Take me seriously. But maybe I should have just embraced the fact that, yeah, maybe I should have been an actor. Maybe that is, maybe I was meant to shine. Anyway, so went to school at Ryerson. I, because I majored so much in cinematography, I transferred that into photography. I, um, I was working for Lululemon. I started photographing their ambassadors, among other things. So I started doing a lot more photography, headshots for dancers, all that sort of thing, and little videos on the side. I mean, Instagram didn't exist yet. So sometimes events and things would want like a one minute video composition reel of their event. Um, and I also, in first year met a boy. I'm not even going to call him a man. He was, he, he didn't always treat me like a man should. And I ended up marrying him at the ripe, tender, fresh age of barely 23. I think that's right. Barely 23. And it was not the best marriage. Um, this isn't the podcast for that topic fully. Yeah. I felt, I felt very inferior and like like without him, I would be nothing. And, um, 
I just kind of like lived in the shadow of him. He was quite successful in his industry. I, I felt like at the time, I don't know if part of it was like an illusion. And yeah, I, ne- I never told anyone how sad I was. And I, ne- I I just kept thinking marriage is hard. That's what everyone would tell me. And I never pretended like it was hard. I truly just like saw the best every day and tried to keep smiling through things and hoping it would get better. And eventually still you can be as positive as you want. And the other person turns out can still leave you. So (laughs) this is actually funny and and like summarizes me very well. I remember the day I think I found out that he was having, had had been, had been having some affairs. Um, I remember I texted two of my friends and was like, what are you up to this weekend or like tonight or whatever? And both of them were like, oh, I'm out at my cottage. Or like, oh, I'm at my friend's house. Like, why? What's up? And I was like, okay, nope, not going to tell them. I thought if they were home, I was going to say, could I come over? My ex, like my, my husband's leaving me. But since they were busy, I was just like, no worries. Bye. If anyone ever gets in that position, you know, just tell someone. (laughs) I'm sure someone will leave their friend's house to be with you. But I don't ever like to cause a a burden to anyone. So anyway, um, out of nowhere, then I had to actually call my mom and basically tell her that that my husband was leaving me. And I bawled my eyes out. She booked me a flight. She basically helped her and my dad and other people. There's a list of many people who helped hold me up and hold me together through that time. It was sort of my own personal rock bottom, in part because I think my identity was so wrapped up in this marriage, I couldn't quite figure out who I was without it. And actually, I had forgotten about this, but I was telling a friend recently that when my marriage first ended, I actually sent an email to about seven or eight people women I worked with at Lululemon because Lululemon was really a place where people could sort of like ask for what they needed and set goals and be vulnerable. And I sent an email that was like, you know, my, my husband's leaving me. I feel lost and worthless. Could you just reply to this email with a couple sentences telling me how you see me and sort of like who I am, (laughs) which like seems just maybe bonkers, but you would not believe the responses. It's like, it's almost like we wait till people die sometimes to really say or feel the things about them. And I have these now, I have these emails from, you know, 2016, but I have them and I can go back to them and I can remember how loved and held I was when I needed it. And up until then, Honestly, I just like did not ever ask anyone for anything. I was a pleaser. I didn't cause a stir or ruffle any feathers ever. Like there would not have been a political post on my feed. And so that felt like a lot to me. And I felt like I really had to sort of rebuild myself. I was extremely embarrassed that my marriage had ended. I felt like a failure I still get to this day, get frustrated when people talk about divorce, like it's a statistic and they're like beating it because I'm like, you don't know how hard people work and what lengths they'll go to, to try and make their marriage last. And so to say you're like beating the odds, 
can be insensitive. But yeah, I, I totally, like, I felt like a failure. I felt like I didn't work hard enough. I felt so embarrassed that I wasn't even 30 and I was going through a divorce. I worried what my parents would have to say if, like, the neighbors asked them. And I was worried they'd be embarrassed. Like, I was some sort of, like, shame to the family now. I don't know. It, your brain can be really mean to you. And what was just also interesting was from the ripe age of 18 to, like, 26, I didn't drink. So I had not one sip of alcohol or anything and only in the last sort of like year of my marriage, cause my ex also didn't drink. My life was just so sober. So when he left me, I just still didn't drink. I, it was not a, it was not something I chose to turn to. And so I feel like I really processed all of this just like very externally and so like very sober and raw and I'm sure in some ways that was maybe better because I couldn't mask it or hide it anywhere. But it, I really felt like that experience was the first time in my life that I really had to be vulnerable and like ask for help and talk about my feelings and just accept that I wasn't okay and that's okay. I should also mention, because I forgot that shortly before my marriage ended, maybe a year or two, um, before I had been teaching workshops. And what's funny is my friends were like, make sure that people know that you were doing it first. And it's true. I actually, I was teaching branding and personal development workshops like long before it was cool. Like we're talking in like 2014, 15 ish. I taught workshops that a lot of like influencers and people are teaching now. And it was really hard to get people on board back then. And now I feel like, oh, everyone does it. I should have done it now. But sometimes you're just a little too early. But anyway, my photography had evolved into those workshops because so often I would photograph someone with, with an idea of where they'd use all these images and the stories that those images would go with on social media. And people would be like, wait, what? I had no idea. Where should these pictures, like, what do you mean a caption? And like, what are my, what core values? And so it evolved into these workshops. But then as soon as my marriage ended, I realized that those workshops had to come to a halt because I just, I didn't have it in me anymore to be on display and be on stage and Quite frankly, I didn't really care about anything. So it was a lot harder to get up and talk about hashtags and how to take better photos for your social media. So I kind of like sunk back into hiding a bit and rekindled my love of photography, which was perfect because I could kind of like hide behind my camera again. And I ended up truly loving it. I, I had learned a lot about how to value myself and I had gotten a lot better and met some really incredible people and had a great client list. So it, it, the ball was just rolling and everything was good. And I ended up meeting Lucas. I had a group of incredible friends. I turned 30, hosted a panel for my 30th birthday on like love and kindness and interviewed three incredible humans and had you know, like 60 people I love there. I hosted a few episodes of Daily Vice, which was really fun. I got to go to like a pretend murder house and learn about crime scene investigation. I got to try this really cool Vietnamese coffee. I got to do hypnotized therapy, I think it was, hypnotherapy. And I got to interview Ollie Alexander of the band Years and Years one of the most incredible humans ever. That was my first one. So I had some really cool experiences sprinkled in there. I moderated 
a couple other panels. I taught some workshops online. Things were good. But now that I've been shooting so much again, I miss I miss this part, you know, the the sharing, the storytelling, the teaching, the talking. So that is hopefully everything you need to know about me. I also have a dog I love. Can't believe he hasn't come into the story until now. Saunders, he has been my lifeline, my best buddy, my confidant, and my, honestly, my longest relationship for he is 11. Can you believe that? Is he really 11? Yeah, he's 11. Born in March, got him in May 2012. Maybe he's 10. He's 10. I can't do math. I just always keep rounding up because I'm so worried that he's getting older. But he's the best. He loves trains. He's loved them since he was little. He loves to watch the subway, the go train, the up, any train, you name it. He loves it. Um, And he loves snuggling. He loves playing fetch. And now, of course, I also share my love for Saunders with the other baby in my life, which is Remy. She is my daughter. I can't believe I have a daughter. Sometimes like I got really used to being able to say like, I had a baby. And then one time I went to the doctor for her and I said, hi, um, I have an appointment for my daughter. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have a daughter. Um, she is truly the love of my life as well. I am obsessed. Like if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I am just truly obsessed with learning, discovering, hanging out, just everything about this baby. So yeah, now you know all you need to know about me. So something I'm really passionate about is the universe. It's I love thinking and talking about the universe because it's so vast that it's like impossible to grasp, but also it affects us and our lives. Like there's all these planets and stars and moons and the way that they like interact with each other can affect what's happening to us in our lives. And depending when we're born and what the planets look like in the sky, it can all affect the trajectory of our lives. And I'll be honest that I don't know a ton about it, but I'm trying to learn. It can be a bit overwhelming, but I'm hoping that one thing I can do on this podcast is make it a bit more digestible because I feel like people love to share memes about like Capricorn, Scorpio, but for a lot of people, that's just kind of where it ends and maybe they don't know much else. And maybe you don't care about much else. But for me, there's just too many cool things that happen when you start paying attention that I don't like to ignore it. One of those things is just like the power of signs and the universe. So this is a really special story to me. It begins when I was a child, a a toddler, in fact. Um, I have always loved owls. My mom said I would always choose an owl over like a cuddly teddy bear or a soft little puppy. And it got even better when I found out that one of the Thai Beanie Babies, is it Thai Beanie Baby or TY? You know, you know what I'm talking about? The little Beanie Babies with the red heart tags that say TY on them. Well, when I was, I should have looked up what the name was, but there's an, there was an owl that had my birthday. And I don't know if you remember but anytime a Beanie Baby shared your birthday, 
you just felt really special because it was like right on the tag with their name. And so naturally I would feel really cool that my favorite animal, an owl, had the same birthday as me. Granted, it was like a graduation owl, so it had a graduation cap on it, but still, it was very exciting. Fast forward to about 2017. I'm like 28 or 29 or something, but by this age, no one's really asking you what your favorite animal is. And so I'm going through all that stuff that we talked about in my life. And one of my dear friends, Sarah, who's like, honestly, one of the most amazing love-filled humans who just like exudes light and intuition. She's like a healer and a lover and a podcaster and a mentor and just a meditation teacher. She was actually mentoring someone in this space and asked me if I could come over to be sort of like a practice client for this person she was mentoring. And I was a little bit nervous because I'm like, I don't know what to expect. Like we're friends, but I didn't really know her like work work. And at this time it was truly like peak chasing light, finding good time for me. Um, and so I get there, I'm like lying on this bed, Sarah's just sitting off to the side and letting this other person do everything and just kind of observing. So this woman is sort of like, I think like moving her hands around me, sort of like Reiki. And she's sort of seeing like generic things, like picking up my energy and saying that I have tension in my neck and jaw, which like, you know, told me something I don't know. And I think I remember she told me something about how someone that from my past that used to be important to me had come back into my life recently in like not a good way, which was 100% accurate because my ex-husband had come back a few years later and was trying to potentially take legal action against me for when I decided to stop sharing my dog. And that was honestly one of the most painful things I was going through. So she was absolutely spot on there. And then she kind of like gives Sara this look of like, oh, something weird just came up. And Sarah's like, okay, well, what happened? Like share it. And she says, okay, it's going to sound weird, but I just like keep seeing an owl. And Sarah's like, okay, well, what do owls represent? At this point, Sara didn't know my lifelong love of owls. So she's just like, okay, well, what does like that symbolize? And this woman says, um, I don't know. I guess I'm pretty sure it means like, seeing the light in the darkness and seeing things from all perspectives, which like Sarah just looked at me and I looked at her and we were both like, oh my gosh, what? Because those were honestly the themes of my life that I had been embodying for the last couple of years. I had this hashtag, I had this movement, people would send me sunset photos. And now now someone was truly picking up on that from just like meeting me. Like how cool is that? And then not to mention that owls were also my favorite animal. So I'm just like, oh my gosh, you guys, this is wild. And just to show them like how wild it was, I did the thing I mentioned in the last podcast episode and texted my mom and said, mom, what has always been my favorite animal? And of course, bless Susan, almost instantly I get a response that's like, owls, why? And um, yeah, we just were like, oh my gosh, this is wild. Like, how cool is this? 
I think she felt really amazing that, you know, she had done such an incredible job with this session for me. I ended up getting a tattoo of an owl shortly after, which like incidentally I got on my dad's birthday. And at the time I didn't think much of it, but as the story unfolds, some dad energy and my dad's birthday kind of come back into play. So now I'm like, ooh, that was cool. I'm glad I paid attention. Fast forward to late 2020-ish, I'm seeing the most incredible acupuncturist ever, Energy Tree Anne, and I had photographed her beautiful growing family and was talking to her about getting pregnant myself. She was working on regulating my hormones, my cycle, and honestly becoming like a personal therapist for me, if that makes sense. Like she was doing the physical things to help me get pregnant without even, but also wasn't even realizing that emotionally she was making me feel like I could do it. But we joked at that photo shoot that the one sign that I didn't want was a Scorpio um, because she was talking about the signs of her four kids and like sort of how it the ways in which she had seen it affect their personalities and stuff like that. And she was pregnant with her fifth at the time. And she laughed because Scorpios are known for being intense and passionate. And I think I was just like, oh my gosh, they seem like really challenging teenagers. And I'm honestly kind of scared of Scorpios. And so she laughed and she's like, okay, well, make sure you get pregnant, but it won't be with a Scorpio. So uh, naturally I'd get pregnant with a Scorpio baby. And also, as a side note, I got pregnant on my dad's birthday, which maybe is too much information. But remember, I said that that was kind of an interesting side note. It was also a full moon. So it's already feeling a bit like witchy around here and I'm, I'm here for it. So I spent a lot of my pregnancy being really sick, but also kind of processing this Scorpio energy, the Scorpio that was coming my way. And along the way, realized I actually love Scorpios. A lot of people I love and admire, all of whom also have like a, a hint of like scary, but in a good way, like they know what they want and they're passionate about it. But I mean, my friends like Dawn and Michelle and Elage and Lauren Park 15 and Lauren from this renegade love and lots of people in my life are Scorpios and I love them. So I had kind of truly accepted and really embraced the Scorpio energy, but also, the sign following is a Sagittarius, and my sister Rachel, who I love dearly, is a Sagittarius. So back in the day, I was like, oh man, you know. So it's now approaching the end of my pregnancy. I'm very nervous. I'm I have some deep-rooted fears of childbirth, and I don't want to get too much into that right now, but there's some heavy, heavy real fears that I had kind of carried throughout my life. And I think I was about two weeks or so from my due date. And I thought I was having this baby early. I was stretched to the brim. I came early from my mom. Both my sisters came early. So I'm just thinking I'm following suit. I'm having this baby early, um, which of course that never happens because whatever you think will happen doesn't happen. And one of my best friends, Alyssa, said to me, why don't you ask your guides to give you a sign? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And she's like, she sent me a couple TikTok videos to help kind of explain what she was meaning. And she says, 
Yeah. Ask out loud for your guides to give you a sign that will answer some sort of question for you and give them a timeline. And then you have to make sure you're open to receiving the sign. And she had told me some incredible stories that had happened to her, but I just kind of figured like that those were stories that happened to her. And I'm like, okay, wait, let me give this a try. So I'm in the shower one day and I out loud say something like, okay, guides, if my labor is going to go okay and, and the baby and I will both be fine, please show me an owl in the next two weeks and I will be open to receiving the sign. And I'm like, okay, I truly believed that. I believed, I, I believe it, I feel it, I honor it. And I got out of the shower and I didn't tell anyone. I didn't even tell Lucas. But oh my gosh, I freaking looked everywhere for this owl. Like, I'm not kidding. Uh, I would walk through the grocery store and all I would be looking for was like, is there an owl in any of this packaging? On TV, I'd be like, is there an owl on anyone's t-shirt, on anyone's anything? I just started looking in trees anywhere for an owl. And of course, I'm not seeing any owl, probably because I'm trying too hard to make this sign appear. But it even gets better because one day Lucas and I were going for a walk and I didn't have my um, glasses on. So I looked into this window on the second floor and I was like, oh my gosh, there's an owl. But then I couldn't tell for sure. So I'm like, Lucas, what's up there in that window? And he's like, you mean the pillow? And I'm like, "Uh, oh, is there anything like on the pillow or is it like in a shape? And he's like, no, it's just a pillow. And I'm like, okay, never mind. He's like, why? I'm like, uh, nothing. <laughs> and I just kept walking. But of course, nothing. There was no owls anywhere in sight. And so by this point, I'm kind of like, does that mean there's no sign because it's not going to go well? Like, are my fears going to come true? Which is always the risk when you ask for a sign, because then you're like, what happens if I don't see the sign, you know? And when you're picking a sign, that's the other thing I should note. When you're picking a sign, you want to pick something that is going to show up. Like it can't be so far out there. Like, oh, I show me an alien, a real life alien or something. But you also don't want to pick something that's um, like you're going to see everywhere, right? Like show me a pigeon because it's like, yeah, you can literally open your window in Toronto and there's going to be like 20. So you have to kind of figure out what you're going to pick that's kind of in the middle there. And that also was kind of hard. So I kind of was like, Nicole, you can't control this anyway. You're going to be giving birth. So instead of assuming the worst and instead of spiraling, maybe just like take a breather. So for a couple of days, I kind of just forgot about the owl, which is very hard for my Gemini brain because I like to feel in control of everything and in control of the narratives of my life and everything else. So I'm like, Now I'm just kind of accepting this labor that's approaching and I'm trying to have like nice baths each night. So I get in the bath and I open Instagram and there's a really famous account that you might know of called Moon Omens and it's right at the top of my feed. And it's, um, the picture is a graphic with text over it that says astrological spirit animal, Sagittarius and the owl. I know the term spirit animal is can it's problematic, but just for storytelling's sake, that is what the post said. 
And it's this incredible post all about owls and what they mean and how they're related to Sagittarius, Sagittarians, maybe it's Sagittarians. And it was about like this bond and this, the blessing of a conscious human mind and curiosity and intuitive knowing. And I was just like, oh my gosh, Remy is going to be a Sagittarius. She's going to be late. She's going to wait. It's going to be a date. No, (laughs) but in that moment, I felt a a wash over me of like, she's coming late. She's going to be Sagittarius and everything's going to be fine. I wish I was that calm though. I actually, what actually happened was I got out of the bath, soaking wet, 38 weeks pregnant, ran over to Lucas on the couch, butt naked and said, she's coming late. She's going to be a Sagittarius. And oh my gosh, I feel so much better. I saw the owl. And he's like, what? What do you mean? Like, whoa, 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 you need to back up. And so I explained the whole story to him. He's like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. And yeah, I I just felt so good. And so a few days later, I went to, I think my last midwife appointment, which we don't want to talk about because I had a, a stretch and sweep, which I did not love at all. And I looked up on the walk home and sure enough, there was like this big owl on the, not real, but like a steel, like owl, probably to scare off birds on the second floor of someone's house. And I was like, oh my gosh, everything's going to be okay. And then I went to acupuncture, just feeling good because I saw my sign and I really wanted to get this baby out. And I told Anne the story and she looked at me shocked and she's like, why owls? And so I explained this whole story. I'm showing her the post and she's just like, oh my gosh, my dad who passed away shows up to me as an owl. And she had some really beautiful stories of, of her dad and how the owls have shown up for her that I want to make sure I keep sacred and private for her. But It was just so interesting because not only did a psychic also tell her that owl energy and like owls live at her clinic, which I had been going to, you know, weekly for a lot of my pregnancy and before, but also that dad energy was back because I got pregnant on my dad's birthday and her dad and my dad are both named Peter, which is just kind of cool. And it was just feeling like this, the universe knows what's up. I was really feeling like, okay, I'm just like a tiny pawn in this like huge, beautiful, incredible, like game of life, if that makes sense. And owl energy was at her clinic. Like what the heck? Of course it was. And so on November 22nd, Anne texts me and says that she saw an owl on the QEW, which is like a highway And she said she saw it quite close to the city, just outside of the city, but still in Toronto. And I was like, oh my gosh. And she's like, yeah, I saw like a real owl just off the highway. And then the next day on November 23rd, I went into labor. It was a, it was a pretty long labor. A lot of it was at home. Um, but I went to the hospital the morning of November 24th. I had excruciating back labor and I was exhausted at this point because I had been up all night. It was about 4 a.m. And, you know, now it feels real because when you get to the hospital, you know that like you're not leaving until that baby's out. And especially because my midwife had already told me I was in active labor. So it was confirmed that, you know, things were really happening. And so I get to the hospital at St. Joe's Hospital downtown 
and I walk into like the family birthing labor unit and sure enough, there's this mural and what's, what's in the tree? Two owls. I couldn't believe it. The last thing I saw on the wall before walking into my room was two owls. And once again, I had that beautiful wave of relief wash over me. And what was really cool was that along the way, there are some other details that I didn't share here, but along the way, once I had seen that first owl and started telling some friends the story, they started seeing owls in like really unique and quirky, unexpected places. And they all sent me the picture and the story. And not only was that just like really comforting, it also reminded me that when you share a deep personal part of yourself, people love to, to welcome that with open arms and like give you that love and safety back. And that was just like such a special feeling because some of the people that know that story still send me like a picture of an owl or a stuffed animal or whatever when they see it. And now whenever I see an owl, I know it's my guide sending me a sign and telling me that everything's going to be okay, which is just really cool. Even yesterday I was walking Remy and Saunders um, in the pouring rain. Remy was of course fine in her stroller, but Saunders and I were soaked and I looked down on the sidewalk and I saw this snow globe. I guess someone had just put it out to give away and in it was an owl. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I take a picture, I get a little video clip. And I just, once again, felt that incredible relief of like, everything's going to be okay. Um, have you had any cool experiences where the universe has sent you a sign to let you know that everything's going to be okay? Or have you ever asked the universe to to tell you a message? I'm very curious to know. I want to start compiling some of these stories to maybe share at a later date with permission, of course. So if you have any that you want to share, I would love for you to send me a DM to my Instagram at finding sparkle chasing light. Um, yeah, I just think there's so many incredible stories out there and to, to deny that the universe isn't playing a massive part in our existence just seems wild to me because how could it not be affecting us, you know? I am really excited about this new segment. Um, it's called Late to the Party. Um, because admittedly, I'm often late to know about things. I'm definitely the person that sees something on Instagram and sends it to my friends who all have seen it like weeks earlier on TikTok. But then I get really excited about it and want to tell people about it anyway, which might be annoying. But hey, now I'm making into a segment and maybe you're late to the party too. So maybe I will actually be sharing something cool with you. And even if I'm not, I hope that you still learn something. So this segment idea actually came to me when my good friend Adam was telling me about someone on TikTok and was really surprised I didn't know about them because he's like, you will love this person. I can't believe you don't know about them. I'm so excited to share. And turns out he was completely right. I went down an absolute rabbit hole. I am absolutely obsessed. I weeped my eyes out. I fell in love with, I just love this person. 
Dylan Mulvaney. So Dylan Mulvaney is a trans actor, activist, comedian. I don't know. I should actually know exactly what her title is, but she is incredible, warm, earnest, lovable, candid, vulnerable, and just a light in this world. She has a TikTok account where she started to share her transition and it was called Days of Girlhood. I think it's still partly going, but she really wanted to get to 100 days. So she documented her transition initially for family and friends, but it blew up. Um, I think she started day one in March and within a few weeks already had a million followers on TikTok. And what I love about her is that she makes being trans feel possible. And I want to honor that I have absolutely no idea what being trans is like. I can imagine and know that it must be, you know, extremely difficult, painful, hard, challenging, very, very lonely, heartbreaking at times, of course. But I love that Dylan chooses for her to share the fun stuff and to keep it light and comedic and joyful. Because to me, that makes me feel like it's beautiful and it's full of love and you should be able to celebrate it anytime, all the time. I hope I don't somehow get in trouble for talking about this because I'm, I don't mean to say anything incorrectly here, um, which is always hard when you're talking about an issue, but Dylan Mulvaney, we are in love. So she's basically talking about being a girl and all the different things that come along with being a girl hair, makeup, dresses, nails. She's having fun. She's living, she's living it out for me who, you know, remembers all these moments when I was a teenager. She's living it for other trans people who maybe never got to experience the joy, but, but paved the way for her. She's living it for those who may not be in a place to safely be joyful about those things yet. And I think what's so beautiful about her is that, and I mean, this, she's also mentioned that this is, this part is emotionally taxing, but she is sharing the joy while also processing her transition. And there's just something so beautifully delicate and vulnerable in that space that, that no one else could could replicate. And her ability to sort of like make light or keep things light is just such a gift. And she's just so earnest and her heart is just so good that even in times of some controversy or, or challenges she's faced, she, you can tell her heart is always so pure and in the right place. And she handles everything with just such grace and love and kindness that you're just like, you love her. You immediately fall in love with her. Among her many videos, all of which I truly love, I just want to share an example, but there's one where she explains how she comfortably wears women's swimsuits, which obviously is not easy when you have different body parts. And I just watched that video and my eyes welled up with tears because I just, I couldn't help but feel the vulnerability in sharing that. 
especially because it's fresh for her. And sharing something when it's so fresh for yourself is especially hard. We love as humans to share an experience or a hardship or something long after we've processed processed it ourselves and we're in a different place. But sharing vulnerability while it's still raw is just beautiful. And I couldn't help but think of just how many people watching that she's helping and like just little children who who see her videos and feel like they're not alone and that they can do that too. Just, oh, TikTok can be such a beautiful place. So please follow Dylan Mulvaney and cry with me whenever you watch her videos. Um, five cool things I learned about her. The first couple are from her website. So before the pandemic, she was actually touring North America as Elder White in the Book of Mormon tour. Um, I loved that because I don't know, there's just kind of some cool like symbolism in there that I don't really want to get into because I don't want to be offensive, but I have a history with LDS Mormons. My ex-husband was Mormon. So I know I grew up with incredible, lovely Mormons, many of whom are still my closest friends. So I just thought that was cool and wonderful and interesting. And a lot of Mormons, especially missionaries, which is what the Book of Mormon musical is about, can sometimes seem like naive because they're so positive. And I just think she must have, like Dylan must have really embodied and exuded that sort of like, not like naivete, but she truly, I think, just has like a pure, pure, pure heart. And so it was no wonder that she played such like a beautiful character like that. COVID for her was very pivotal. She signed up for TikTok and discovered her gender identity. I think sometimes a lot of people were so go, go, go with their lives before COVID hit that like the stopping helped people maybe realize, I mean, many people had many revelations And I just think it's so incredible that she was able to discover that or sort of, you know, actually process that maybe she could go for it. And I love that because she's making the world a better place. In an e-online interview, she talked about how as a child, she dressed up as Dorothy for Halloween. I guess someone in her school, I think she said, he dressed up as Dorothy the year before and everyone, like as a joke. And so when she did it, Everyone thought it was a joke, but it was actually the best day of her life because she got to be the girl she wanted to be. And I just thought that was so special. And I think she mentioned something about how like now if she could go back and tell that girl anything, it would be like, there's going to be many more days like this. And that just made me feel so like happy, sad at the same time. Her website also says that she loves to rescue baby possums. How cool is that? And Something else cool about her, number five, is that she specifically focuses on sharing this journey with joy and humor because she doesn't want, she knows TikTok's not a sad place and that people are sort of like scrolling their phones before bed and they want like a little bit of joy and she wants to be that for them. So if you don't already and you're late to the party with me, you can follow Dylan on Instagram and TikTok at Dylan Mulvaney, that's D-Y-L-A-N. Mulvaney, M-U-L-V-A-N-E-Y. 
I'll have the link to her stuff in my show notes. And as of today, she has 6.7 million followers on TikTok. She has created a safe, beautiful, supportive haven. Like the internet world, which can be such a mean place, has truly like wrapped her up in a hug. And I just love that for her. And I hope that more people can experience that because how beautiful is that? Anyway, that pretty much sums up this episode of the podcast. I am so appreciative of you being here as I sort of figure out how this looks. I keep popping up with little different segment ideas and I'm trying to just sort of work it out as I go, which is a vulnerable place to be because I'm sharing these before they're perfect. And I hope that you'll still continue to listen and continue to be here because I really believe that something special can and will happen here. And yeah, I'm just really grateful the ability I have to make this and create this and the people who continually help me, whether that's like Lucas, who's taking everyone out of our house so I can record this and he's going to help me edit it. And he makes all these incredible graphics for me. And one of his best friends, Mike Halleck, made all of this incredible music and the sounds you hear. And my friends, Alyssa, she took the beautiful photos of me on my website and tons of my other friends. I can't even list them all. Share feedback. They listen to my podcast. They give me ideas for segments. You can too. Please send me a message on Instagram. But they also help me with t-shirt designs and truly giving me the confidence. Like get yourself a group of friends that are willing and always willing to hype you up, to make you feel like whatever you want to do is possible because friendship is such a beautiful gift and we need to always be lifting others because, you know, that's what life is about. We're all just taking care of each other. And I feel so beyond lucky to have the people I do in my life. Um, even my mom listened to my first episode of my podcast. So, and she doesn't even normally listen to any podcasts. So I just feel truly loved and supported and I am totally open to any suggestions as well, but if you have the capacity to rate and review this podcast, that would mean so much to me. I would love for eventually this podcast to reach new ears and by sharing it and rating it and reviewing it, that tells Apple to share it more with other people who open their podcast app. So I would be beyond grateful if you could do that. And I hope you are having an incredible day. I hope that you get outside for a walk and enjoy the sounds of nature and the feel the sun on your face and perhaps listen to me talking in your ear again, <laughs> because that's sort of what I hope. I want to be the best friend in your ear. So remember, you can only meet someone as deep as you've met yourself. That's my message that I always want to end on. And I always want you to keep thinking about that and keep expanding your views and thoughts and feelings and being open to everything, receiving love, giving love, 
feeling joy. So thank you so much. See you next week. Bye.